Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Chief Will Smith to address the public over about the incidents over the last 48 hours. Chief Smith. First of all, uh, good morning. I want to begin my uh, statement by reiterating my anger over the death of George Floyd. Um, it has stricken all of us to the core, the actions that we've seen in Minneapolis, the policies that we see in Minneapolis, the response that we see in Minneapolis. And for us, the way that we honor his death is to make sure that our, our police department is a reflection of what this community wants to see. That means in terms of its policies, how we respect people, and how we interact with people of all color, all creeds, all, all desire. So um, I want to begin by just focusing on that loss. I also want to commend all of our public safety partners. Their dedication and professionalism has shown through very, very difficult times. We have maintained high professionalism and respect to everybody we've dealt with over the past two days. This, this has been a team approach. It includes Richmond Police, Richmond Fire, Richmond Ambulance, Emergency Communications, Henrico Police, Henrico Fire, Chesterfield Police, Virginia State Police, Virginia Capitol Police, Virginia Commonwealth University Police, and uh, I am truly grateful for their support. I want our citizens to know that we're doing our very best to provide life safety to all of our citizens throughout these challenging times. While we can replace vehicles, we can rebuild businesses, we can rebuild homes, we shouldn't have to. But what we can't replace are lives, and lives are the most important things that we safeguard. As the mayor mentioned, we've had a lot of violence that has occurred. Many of the people that have been injured have been injured due to protester on protester violence. I want to reiterate that again. Protester on protester violence. The man shot last night was shot by a protester. We've had a number of people that have been injured by thrown bottles, rocks, bricks, everything that you can imagine thrown by other protesters. As the mayor said, our protests have started out peacefully every single night with respectful people voicing their legitimate concerns. We've been able to facilitate them in their First Amendment rights, but it hasn't taken too long each night before actors that, um, that I'll go into in just a few minutes um, have taken over the protest and have, uh, have changed the, the tone. We've noticed on many occasions that those that started out along amongst the uh, the peaceful protest, once it turns violent, they are immediately leaving the area. But oftentimes, 
uh, still being assaulted and, and battered. And again, there's a, there's one incident I think is particularly poignant that truly illustrates the um, the seriousness of the issues that we're facing. Uh, the mayor mentioned this last night. Protesters intentionally set a fire to an occupied building on Broad Street. This is not the only occupied building that has been set fire to over the last two days, but they prohibited us from getting on scene. We had to force our way to make a clear path for the fire department. Protesters intercepted that fire apparatus several blocks away with vehicles and blocked that fire department's access to the structure fire. Inside that home was a child. Officers were able to Officers were able to help those people out of the house. We were able to get the fire department there safely. Um, sorry. But when you take a, a legitimate issue and hijack it for unknown reasons, that is unacceptable to me. It's unacceptable to the Richmond Police Department, unacceptable to the city of Richmond. Yes. As the mayor said, this isn't Richmond. And it truly is not Richmond. It's not even Virginia. It's not even the mid-Atlantic. We have intelligence that we're working on presently so that we hope to be able to file charges following up from this. We have people from across the country who have traveled many states to be here. We know that this is an organized effort. We're committed to try and identify those that are behind it. And we're doing our very level best to arrest those that are perpetrating the violence on our community, our city, and our citizens. So with that, I'll, I'll turn back over to you, Mr. Mayor. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 2nd of June, year of our Lord, 2020. And we're still rioting. That was a fire that was set by protesters, peaceful protesters, our media keeps saying, where they knew the kid was in the house and they blocked his exit. The amount of horrible things I'm going to play on the show today are shocking because nobody wants to talk about the stats. The reality is 41 unarmed people were shot by the U.S. in 2019. 19 were white, 9 were black, 6 Hispanic, 4 other, 3 unknown. Every 10,000 black people arrested for violent crimes, 3 are killed. Every 10,000 white people killed for violent crimes, 4 are killed. I made the error of the last couple of days tweeting that and not getting the most important data that was in there, which was unarmed. I didn't say the truth. I said that that was the total shootings. And I got called out on it on Twitter, but 
There are a thousand and four shootings in our country out of 69 million interactions year wide between police. And the numbers aren't that big. Um, 1,004. And if you go by the year, 370 whites, 235 black, 158 Hispanic, 39 other, and 202 unknown. 1,004 people were shot by police out of 69 interactions. And that data is not broken down to what the person was doing, what the cop was doing. But I want to start with stats, because that's not what our media is doing. They don't say that there are only 41 unarmed people shot. The rest were armed So if you take 41 off of 1,004, that is a fuck ton of people that were armed when they got shot. And just in this alone, there's a female officer, a federal officer, Officer Cody Holty and Officer Nate Lede have been killed. Already. But our media spends all their time supporting Black Lives Matter and Antifa with sound bites like this. He had his knee, uh, knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds, during which George Floyd said multiple times, audible to the video, I can't breathe. And there are a lot of people here who are saying, if that isn't enough, and that's what I, a lot of the, the protesters, including those who were looting and, and, and engaging in violence, they were saying to me, why am I following these rules? Because no one else seems to be following the rules when it comes to the lives of black people. If that's not enough, if all of this video is not enough, there are still three police officers not charged. I just want to read uh, something that you said uh, about the riots. You said you, you support the, or the demonstrations, I should say, because they weren't uh, all riots. You support peaceful protests, heartening to see diversity, but provocateurs don't share protesters' goals. Some want anarchy, others want race war. People Peaceful demonstrators should take pictures of lawbreakers, outsiders destroying our cities, violence, property damage are not the answer. What do you make of what happened across the country last night? Were those protests? Were those provocateurs? Were those vandals? What do you, what do you make from it? Well, it, it was a little bit of everything in there, but I can tell you our young people are very um, frustrated and they feel that they have no alternative but to take it to the streets. And they do that during the daytime and they do it at night. And um, it's a reaction to the reality under which our people are living. And that is we are under constant threat of police, excessive use of force, and oftentimes death. When you look at the statistics in this country, of police shootings and police um, killings of civilians, even though we are 13% of the population in in this country, we make up probably about half of the uh, people who are killed every year by police. 
And it's uh, gotten to the point where our young people feel that they are in a state of war. They, they actually feel like it's open season on black people in this country. And uh, the statistics bear that out. Right. Richard, when the when journalists talk about the anger, given all the whole history here that you recited in the last segment among these protesters, can that be read as some kind of justification for the looting and the violence and the fires? Uh, or do you think that is not what is intended by much of the coverage and commentary? Look, I'll say this. I think a majority of the 99.9% .9 of these protests have been peaceful. I was, I, I know folks that went to one. I'll likely be going to one this afternoon because we're calling for justice. And at the same time, yes, there are folks who are engaging in violent acts, and that's wrong. But let's be very clear, right? And let's understand that the if you saw what happened in, in St. Paul, the mayor said very clearly, all the folks that were arrested for engaging in violence, none of them lived in St. Paul. Although many of the protests have been peaceful, we can't emphasize that enough. It should be noted that the demonstration here in Washington, and this is, this is the case around much of the country as well, those demonstrations were largely peaceful. And I just want to reiterate, most of the protests that we saw this weekend were peaceful. But most protests remained peaceful. There have been mostly peaceful demonstrations. And I think it's so important, Kareem, to make the distinction between for the most part, these protests are peaceful. One woman told me she couldn't help but notice how beautiful it all was. By the way, we're not going to have a format today. I'm just going to go through stuff I found. That soundbite is them supporting Antifa. That's them. I mean, it's out there. The, the flyers that I just stumbled across on Twitter. Get paid to be a professional anarchist. $200 direct action. My sister talked about it. Everybody's talking about it. Found on the ground. Easy identification to enemies and allies. Sympathy for media. DB for curl at AOEC representative at Act Point Gamma Prime. Do not demobilize until instructed by Agitorg or hire via 328BG, which is the radios they're using. You may not, under any circumstance, deviate from the practices enumerated in this section. Um, don't leave this document on the ground. Somebody did. Hand to hand. Closed fist may be used only below the neck and above the belt. Open hand may be used whenever. Kicking is not permitted unless provoked with no other recourse. Do not reach for LE weapons. General behavior. Do not encourage, or excuse me, congregate with other ops. To ox props is a group of more than two. Do not make prolonged eye contact or speak with more than two other ops. Uh, do If you need to talk, use 328BG comms. When not in crowds, keep hands out of pockets. Avoid being caught in open spaces. Stick close to other local participants. Do not spend too much time on your 32BG. Use it sparingly. We're trusting you to act independently as much as possible. Navigate using only the approved protected corridors. Stick to your personality and profile assignments. Props. Do not bring anything to the demonstration. May use only engage in the use of props of other local demonstrators have already done so. Bottles, rocks, sticks, and other small blunt objects are permitted as long as the use of props has already occurred other, amongst other demonstrators. Adjutacors will update you before mobilization on signs and codes used to identify friendly LE in 
BWI officials. Engage with them on any level that may be perceived as friendly. Allied LE have been instructed merely to not engage. Antigors relay orders to nearby AEOC representatives. Remember, timing and assignment of escalation is determined by conditions on the ground. If the determination has been made to escalate, specific instructions will be relayed through comms. List of solidary protests this week composed by BLM Telegraph. And it says all the places they're at. It's even leaking out on the media who is ignoring it. They won't speak. CNN well, doing our This is America is their only scripted portion we're going to do today. The Don Lemon, oh, it was just a fiasco last night, and then they called it a photo op, and then they did Biden's photo op as it was great. And in the end, a CNN reporter was on this morning and literally was saying that they have a, a supply chain and that... Their tactics are when they get confronted, they break in smaller groups so the cops can't catch them. And a CBS reporter came right out and called out BLM. I'm Jonathan Bigliotti in Southern California, the site of some of the worst looting in America. We saw it firsthand in Santa Monica. This is a sushi store here. You can see the chairs were thrown around, even the computers ripped off. And here we have a jewelry store. So across the street, we've got the Patagonia. What you're seeing is people of all ages, all backgrounds, helping themselves, using Black Lives Matters as the reason it is throughout Santa Monica. So wait, guys, why are you doing this? Are you part of Black Lives Matter? Or are you just surfers? What's the deal, guys? Eventually, police moved in. Santa Monica officials say there were 400 arrests and claim 95% were outsiders. Police Chief Cynthia Renault says the looters took advantage of the peaceful protesters. There are opportunists. The National Guard helped control the crowds. There was also common ground. But it can't undo the damage done. Dr. Alice Sun and Daniel Scholand run Sunny Optometry. The couple saw their business ransacked on the eve of finally reopening their doors. COVID had kept their patients away for nearly three months. Never in a million years do we think what happened to us. Our life savings in here that just got destroyed. They know who it is, but they don't want to say it because they side with them. Jack Prolisek, uh, Anafar and I using TikTok to spread tactics on how to sabotage National Guard vehicles. Emily Rotowski, the media coverage of Los Angeles protests are complete bullshit. The police are militarized and civilians have no weapons. These are not violent protests, but they become violent when an actual army is deployed, which they're not. Joy Reid defending Anifa. When I heard from Minnesota officials, all of them was that white nationalist groups are planning online to blend into the protests and stir chaos, using legitimate protesters as a human shield. What logical reason would left-wing groups have to burn black communities? Use your common sense and calm reason through what you're seeing and keep in mind who the Trump regime is. We'll be back on the story tomorrow and we will be re-entering the narrative as well as George Floyd. So now the Attorney General Bill Barr is attempting to pin the anarchy and infiltration which is already documented as coming from white nationalist groups that they show no proof of. On leaning left Antifa group, the goal is to force the media to repeat that. What is this proof? 
people go, y'all do realize Antifa is just short for anti-fascist, right? As in the people who confront the Nazis in Charlottesville. They're good people. I don't know how many people I've blocked to literally defend them. And why did Bill Barr mention the Bugaloo Boys and other far right movements who are per multiple reports are actively organizing? Their new thing is, is if you wear an Hawaiian print, you're a far right right protester. Hawaiian print is now white supremacist. They, they come up with shit all the time. The Hill, Steve Carell, Janine Minoy, John Legend, and wife, Justin Timberlake, Cynthia Nixon. They're bailing out Antifa protesters. Some jurisdictions right now that have the most damage, they're not even jailing them. They just give them a bench warrant and let them go. They go back out to burning. Friends of Antifa, NBC scoffs at claims left-wing mob causing riots. NBC has been a safe, reliable harbor for left-wing domestic terrorist group known as Antifa. And then back at it again, Sunday Today, anchor Willie Geist and White House correspondent Kelly O'Donnell scoffed at claims. This is President Trump and Attorney General Barr blame left-wing anarchist group for the violence, who says are part of the radical left activism that seek to cause chaos. In a video portion of a report, O'Donnell noted that the president called out those steering protests to violence and destruction, but casted doubts on bipartisan suggestions that some of the violence being perpetrated by non-local antagonists. Claims they don't back up with evidence while they don't back up with evidence. Cherry Jacobs, a journalist. Molly Hemingway is a white supremacist and works for the secretly funded white supremacist rag, the Federalists. She also knows the white protesters breaking windows and starting fires are an op to try to blame Antifa and give Trump the race white riot he's so bloodthirsty for. Because she said DOJ should go hard against Antifa. A lot of us did. But you're a white nationalist. You are a racist if you say that. And then they crank up their articles. Far-right extremists are hoping to turn George Floyd protests into a new civil war. Joy Reid again. Acting uh, bar group, uh, this is from the Hill, groups of outside radicals and agitators are exploiting the situation to pursue their own separate and violent agenda. Let's listen to his sound bites because now they've made him terrorist. And you'll see how butthurt our media is over it. The voices of peaceful protest are being hijacked by violent radical elements. Groups of outside radicals and agitators are exploiting the situation to pursue their own separate and violent agenda. In many places, it appears the violence is planned, organized, and driven by anarchic and left extremist groups, far left extremist groups, using Antifa-like tactics, many of whom travel from outside the state to promote the violence. There's actually videos of pre-stage bricks of reporters playing gunfire on apps while they're recording, defending, just defending Antifa. Enjoy read a whole other screed. It, it's not them. 
Keith Ellison, the Attorney General of Minnesota, is with the Antifa Handbook. Keith Ellison tells George Floyd writers to direct their anger towards the National Guard. This this is an Antifa elected official. We we played it last podcast. He he said it. Don't fuck with the National Guard. Go after the police. He's got pictures. Caught on camera hanging out with Luis Enrique Marquez, the leader of the violent extreme Portland Antifa. Reza Aslan claims Trump supporters are doing the burning. They tried this for a couple days between podcasts. They've stopped now. Josh Campbell, Minnesota officials say many of the violent protesters who have caused widespread damage are from out of state. They got caught lying. It's not true. The first jailed people were in state. They had to walk that back, but then they still said they're out of state. Because there's videos of buses. There's pictures of buses. There's pictures and videos of people getting handed money, the $200 to do things. Now they just talk about it, but they won't say Antifa. Andy Phillips, the tweet comes as official Minnesota is investigating whether outsiders, including white supremacists, raise Ansland. White supremacists equal Trump supporters. These are Trump supporters burning and looting. The entire world. Are you fucking crazy? And then they show pictures of the arrestees, all black, or white guys that are liberal looking. <laughs> they're, they're not there. Next article, dishonest hacks. Don't look now, but it's clear the Dems and media are settling on a narrative. Bloomberg quick take. Asked whether there were white supremacists caught in destruction in Minneapolis protests. Governor Tim Walz said he suspected so, but couldn't confirm. He also said drug cartels. There are people that are trying to say it's Russia. Stephen L. Miller. There are now multiple CNN correspondents pushing this. They're trying to push it. People's reply. Oh my God, they're complicit in covering for Antifa. The left are appreciate another assistant from American media firefighters. Guy Benson, wait, are they really going to try white nationalists doing this? I mean, fuck white nationalists. And maybe there's some small degree of awful and opportunistic crop population. But do they see who's doing this? Are we calling Antifa white supremacists now? Don't believe what you're reading about who these people are. Do your own research and go spend time watching the hours and hours of interviews that Unicorn Riot did on ground in Minneapolis. Bridget Fetisi, the MSM acts, acts like the internet doesn't exist. A perfect example to show how much the media hates you and thinks you're stupid by gaslighting you. The new lie of the left, white supremacists now being blamed to infiltrate the protests. Do the media and leaders of Minnesota think we're stupid? And then people pointing out, hey, Allison's part of Antifa. 69 cases from Friday to Saturday were categorized by received by the jail. 56 from Minnesota, 5 unknown, Illinois 3, Arkansas 1, Missouri 1, Iowa 1, Florida 1, Michigan 1. Jail records show most arrested on Minneapolis riots have Minnesota addresses. This is a long soundbite, and then we'll have a bumper to start back up. This is all the... They're they're trying to blame everything but Antifa and BLM for the looting 
And the damage now seven days got worse last night in New York. Just tore the place up. Seven days. And our media firefighters on CNN and MSNBC, instead of pushing the truth, they spin for Antifa. I can't tell you how many people have been in touch with me today and tonight and last night to say some form of the following, which we would have laughed at five years ago. Uh, the Russians must be having a good old time looking at television images of the United States. Death toll of a 100,000, a pandemic not at all under control, and now city streets aflame in more cities tonight than we can list. Yeah, I've lost count of the number of times you and I, Brian, have talked about this very uh, concept that the, the number one goal of the Russian government is not to get a certain person in the White House, but rather to sow discord and chaos. Now, it helps if the person in the White House is unable to calm the nerves of the nation, is unable to get peace and calm restored in our cities through his behavior, through trust, through his relationships and his statements. So, yes, our adversaries are studying this right now. Some of them are actually pleased that we are more divided than ever. And I'm very troubled that we we could be in for a very long, hot summer if this isn't quashed. I want to bring in an expert on all of this, former assistant FBI director for counterintelligence, Frank Figluzzi. Frank, uh, when I knew I'd be sitting in this chair today, I w- you were the first person I wanted to speak with. Help us understand what all of this means. The president calling out Antifa, even Bill Barr, saying that Antifa and their activity would be considered terrorist attacks. So people who who watch us frequently, Stephanie, know that following the El Paso Walmart shooting, I came out and wrote and spoke extensively on the need for law enforcement to have extra tools in the toolbox with regard to domestic terrorism. We also know that the current FBI director, Christopher Wray, has been on the record saying that race-based hate groups, race-based hate groups now pose an equal threat to that posed by al-Qaeda and ISIS. What has the president decided to do in a single tweet today? He's decided to single out one group, Antifa, that happens to be opposed to him as a domestic terrorism organization. As you've already heard, there's a couple of problems with this. One, Antifa is not an organized, centralized organization. There is no Antifa headquarters. There is no president or or hierarchy of Antifa, as you would see in ISIS or al-Qaeda or any other foreign-based terrorist organization. Number two, they are so loosely based and so diverse in their beliefs, from global anarchy to simple simple anti-Trump to supporting Black Lives Matter, that you cannot isolate a single body of of political or ideological beliefs here. So 
I'm concerned that if we're not careful, this is one small step away from the President of the United States designating his political opponents as enemies of the state, as terrorists. And th- think about think about the repercussions of this. What, people may say, well, what's, what would such a designation look like? Well, first, there is no domestic terrorism law on the books in the United States, so let's deal with that first. Number two, there is no approved procedure by which you could designate a domestic terrorism group, just like there is, in fact, for foreign terrorist organizations. So we are a huge and, step away from figuring out how to do this. Okay, then. Then if there is no designation for domestic terrorist groups, what would the point of this be on the part of the president or Bill Barr? I think what the president wants to jumpstart is some some ability, perhaps even some executive order, which would be very troublesome, to designate a single group um, against, by the way, against any absence of evidence that the single group is actually responsible for all of this, right? And again, there is no single group. There's no centralized organization here. I have strong evidence from my law enforcement sources that, to the contrary, right-wing groups and hate groups and white supremacists and violent militia groups and a group called the Boogaloo Boys that wants to incite a civil war are actually responsible for much of the violence in these protests. So we need to demand evidence when the president says, yeah, the folks I don't like, those folks who don't like me, I'm going to call them terrorists. And what would the purpose be here to do it? Enable federal law enforcement, imagine this, to have increased investigative techniques, undercover, online monitoring of discussions, activities, all of that infiltration of groups. Why? Because the president and the attorney general decide we don't like these people. These people could hurt us. We don't do that for any other organization. If you've got a favorite football team, Stephanie, and they win the national championship and people travel to a city and trash it, right? We've seen this happen, unfortunately, after national sports championships. We don't call everybody who likes that team or all of its national fan clubs a terrorist organization. We arrest those people for the violence they caused in a particular city, but we don't designate all those sports fans terrorists. Wow. Uh, I do want to ask you about what Senator Marco Rubio has been tweeting about today, saying that much or at least part of this is coming from foreign adversaries. Right. So we are beginning to see early indicators. I'm, I'm not prepared to actually say that this is proof, but but we've got early indicators that we are seeing social media activity designed to incite and have people show up at the same place at the same time that oppose each other. And it's being posted by the same folks. So we, we need further investigation of this. Back in March, the U.S. State Department issued a warning that Russia, Russia was actually attempting to instigate race-based division and chaos in our society. That's a U.S. State Department report back in March. It was reported on very well by the New York Times. So our own government has said Russia's trying to divide us along racial lines. Now we're seeing the early signs on social media that somebody is inciting opposing sides to show up at the same time. I'm very concerned that we're not talking about that from the White House. We're talking about an organization that doesn't like the president. Frank, thank you so much for joining us. A very complicated time. 
Um, this is very unusual and unprecedented time for our country. As I came on the air tonight with, with you at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, as I said to you, there are 40 million Americans tonight who are out of work. There are more than 100,000 Americans who have lost their lives to COVID-19. There are people who are upset about the death, millions of Americans and people around the world, about the, seeing the death of a man uh, at the hands of a police officer uh, on videotape. And we don't know what's happening in this country right now. Perhaps this is... Uh, some sort of mechanism for a restructure in our country or for some sort of change in our country for us to deal with whatever we need to deal with in this country. I'm at a loss for words. As a person who is sitting here guiding you through this, I really don't know what to say at this moment except for this is America. This is where our country, this is what it has come to right now. And I am wondering who is going to step into the void and, and call for some calm and try to pull us all together instead of dividing us. This is a deep division that is in our country. And you're looking at all different demographics on the left hand of your screen going into that store and taking things out. I haven't seen this since since Rodney King, to be frank with you. And no one condones what's happening in in the these in this video or in these live pictures that are coming into coming into us from Los Angeles. This is actually quite sad to watch. And it is an indication indicative of the pain and the sadness in this country of people who feel that they have no other alternative but to exhibit this behavior in our country. No other option. When you have nothing to lose, you have nothing to lose. No call for calm. Americans coming together. We are all one. Not that I have heard of. I sure would like to hear that. I sure would like to hear that we are all Americans and we, we all need to stick together. We all need to come together. Because if we can't live together as Americans, then what do we have? Do we ha even have a country anymore? This is unbelievable what is happening here. Unbelievable. When did this country get out of control? When did we lose control of this country? When did we cease to be a country, a group of people who wanted to at least live together in spite of the differences? Because of our differences. Isn't that the whole reason for the thing that we are here because we want because we are different that we're, we're supposed to try this grand experiment and let's not forget if anyone is judging this I'm not judging this I'm just wondering 
what is going on because we were supposed to figure out this experiment a long time ago. Our country was started because this is how the Boston Tea Party rioting. So don't do not get it twisted and think that oh this is some something that has not never happened before and then this is so terrible and where are we and these savages and all of that. This is how this country was started. But we thought that we had at least figured it out and gotten beyond that, but we could live together in some sort of democracy. But this is not democracy. This is not democracy. This is, quite frankly, anarchy. And so far, silence. I would love to hear from some Republican leaders. Call, please call in and talk to me. I want, I want to hear what you have to say about this. I really do. And I want to hear a message of hope. What do we do? I am a cable news anchor, and I am trying to figure out what we do. I cannot be the only person, the only voice, who are calling for people to come together and who are call, who's calling for peace. Look at this. Are you watching, America? Are you watching? Do you see this? Can you please help me? Can you? Um, this is a very unusual and unprecedented time for our country. As I came on the air tonight with, with you at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, as I said to you, there are 40 million Americans tonight who are out of work. There are more than 100,000 Americans who have lost their lives to COVID-19. There are people who are upset about the death. Millions of Americans and people around the world about the, seeing the death of a man uh, at the hands of a police officer uh, on videotape. And we don't know what's happening in this country right now. Perhaps this is uh, some sort of mechanism for a restructure in our country or for some sort of change in our country for us to deal with whatever we need to deal with in this country. I'm at a loss for words. As a person who is sitting here guiding you through this, I really don't know what to say at this moment except for this is America. This is where our country, this is what it has come to right now. And I am wondering who is going to step into the void and, and call for some calm and try to pull us all together instead of dividing us. This is a deep division that is in our country. And you're looking at all different demographics on the left hand of your screen going into that store and taking things out. I haven't seen this since, since Rodney King, to be frank with you. And no one condones what's happening in, in the, these in this video or in these live pictures that are coming into coming into us from Los Angeles. This is actually quite sad to watch. And it is an indication indicative of the pain and the sadness in this country of people who feel that they have no other alternative but to exhibit this behavior in our country. No other option. When you have nothing to lose, you have nothing to lose. No call for calm. Americans coming together. We are all one. 
Not that I have heard of. I sure would like to hear that. I sure would like to hear that we are all Americans and we, we all need to stick together. We all need to come together. Because if we can't live together as Americans, then what do we have? Do we ha even have a country anymore? This is unbelievable what is happening here. Unbelievable. When did this country get out of control? When did we lose control of this country? When did we cease to be a country, a group of people who wanted to at least live together in spite of the differences? Because of our differences, isn't that the whole reason for the thing? That we are here because we want, because we are different? That we're, we're supposed to try this grand experiment? And let's not forget, if anyone is judging this, I'm not judging this, I'm just wondering what is going on because we were supposed to figure out this experiment a long time ago our country was started because this is how the boston tea party rioting so don't do not get it twisted and think that oh this is some something that has not never happened before and then this is so terrible and where are we and these savages and all of that this is how this country was started but we thought that we had at least figured it out and gotten beyond that, but we could live together in some sort of democracy. But this is not democracy. This is not democracy. This is, quite frankly, anarchy. And so far, silence. I would love to hear from some Republican leaders. Call, please call in and talk to me. I want, I want to hear what you have to say about this. I really do. And I want to hear a message of hope. What do we do? I am a cable news anchor and I am trying to figure out what we do. I can't not be the only person, the only voice who are calling for people to come together and who are call who's calling for peace. Look at this. Are you watching America? Are you watching? Do you see this? Can you please help me? Can you? Protesters around the world have taken to the streets to call out police brutality and the systemic racism against black people. My sign says white silence equals white violence and I want everybody to recognize that because white people are the people oppressing black people. Author and educator Tim Wise says it's not fear that drives people to conflate blackness with crime, but power and a disregard for some people of color. American history is one in which white Americans, uh, by and large, have been taught to have indifference or even contempt for black life. We have defined the country as a white nation where people of color are here on a guest pass, and it's a guest pass that we think we can revoke. CBS News contributor Ibram X. Kendi is a professor at American University. He says since the Jim Crow era, white people have had the right of using the police to their advantage. They recognize that they, that they had the privilege to call a police officer with the belief that the police officer, even if they're in the wrong, will be on their side. 
It's a painful history that educator Jane Elliott has been trying to fight for more than 50 years. You need to educate yourself as to the truth of this situation instead of believing the lie that has been promulgated in this country for the last 400 years. The lie of several different races and the lie of the rightness of whiteness. Racism in America, you said, is like dust in the air. Explain what you mean by that. But it's more than just Donald Trump, it's also his party. Remember the seminal event, a seminal event, in the development of the modern Republican Party was the civil rights movement in the 1960s. National Democrats embraced it, National Republicans did not. Uh, And you had millions and millions of racially conservative whites move into the Republican Party, and that's where the center of gravity is. Consider this uh, Pew Research Center poll uh, that came out last year, 59% uh, of Americans, of Republicans, said that they thought uh, that the legacy of slavery had little or nothing to do with the plight of blacks today. Seventy-seven percent said that they thought that uh, the biggest problem with race discrimination was seeing it where it does not exist. Eighty-four percent said that America has either done enough or too much to bring equal rights to blacks. Mm-hmm. When you hear those numbers, not surprising that the president's national security advisor says he doesn't see systemic racism or that the president takes the tone he's taken so far. He always caters in a pinch to his... President Trump, as I was suggesting, and the Attorney General Bill Barr, are blaming Antifa for the violence that has erupted over the last four days and nights. Despite reporting from NBC News contributor Frank Fuglisi, a former career FBI counterintelligence official, that in fact there are indications of more right-wing white supremacist groups or activists present among the outside agitators, the President says he will designate Antifa a terrorist organization. Antifa has no known headquarters or central organization. There is no legal procedure for such a designation against a domestic group. NBC News investigative reporter Tom Winter joins me now. Tom, I know you've spent uh, days, the weekend, uh, going into uh, not only Antifa and what the indications are in this this situation, but the president and the attorney general may be cherry-picking the intelligence to go after the president's own by the way, they've just uh, also done a readout from the White House, as you know, Peter, that he's t- spoken to Vladimir Putin and uh, has apparently uh, <laughs> invited him to the G7, the G7 that has now been postponed to the fall after Angela Merkel said she wouldn't attend one in June because of the pandemic. So there are a lot of other things roiling around, but uh, clearly not the top focus uh, is a response to this and is a response to reaching out, Yamish too empathetically to people of color who have been so aggrieved by the death of George Floyd. That's right. And President Trump has really signaled in and focused in on this idea that it's Antifa. It's this professionally organized crowd that we're now looking at domestic terrorism. Of course, there are aggressors, there are looters, there are people who are rioting, but there are also overwhelmingly peaceful people. I was out over the weekend on the White House lawn, just steps away from the president's residence, and I talked to so many people who said they were there um, to, to, to send a message to the government that black people and white people should be treated equally in this country, and that police should not be able to kill people in the way that they saw George Floyd being killed when that officer kneeled on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. I'm thinking today of a young boy, 18 years old, named Jaden, who told me he was eight years old when when Trayvon Martin was killed, and that he realized then as a young kid in an elementary school that racism could literally kill him. So as the president talks about Antifa and all these things, he's literally ignoring the people who are on his front lawn. At just All he has to do is walk down and see right in front of the White House that there are Americans, everyday Americans, asking for change. So it's very interesting to see the president kind of lean back on his political 
instincts lash out at Democrats. I'm having sources that are telling me, much like you said, NBC News is hearing that the president had this call with governors where he, quote, run off the rails, one source says, and that he was telling governors that they were going to be overrun and that they need to dominate their states. When in reality, what people need a lot of times and what they tell they told me on the White House lawn is that they want someone who's empathetic, who understands that Americans are crying out, saying they're fed up and they want leadership in this. about Antifa, I've watched them in the streets in different situations, okay? There are suspects of them that are true to a cause, good cause. They want social justice, they want whatever they want. You tell me when that has ever happened. You tell me when that has ever happened with these. Where they have ever been doing Antifa the right laws. Antifa does not have good aims. And wants power, wants political taken uh, through force. That's what it's all about. I mean, just they are be, the just be clear about what I'm sections. saying. I'm not here to espouse Antifa or any group on the political well, it spectrum. Sounds like it. Because you want it to be like that. Because you want it to be. No. And you want to be able to run away after something like Cuomo loves the alt left. He yeah. loves. And you know it's not true. You know it's being. What I'm saying is this. You don't draw a moral between neo-Nazis and the people there against them. You don't do it in that context, not what we are about in this country. Okay, and when you pair it the with a president who wrote the call out Steve King, a president who, that the problems with domestic terrorism, with rightimists, is not a big deal, but Islam hating all of us when they are near responsible for what we're dealing with here in terms of den attacks as the right-wing extremists, when you're together, it makes you wonder, Rob, why is he so soft on one, loud on the other? Help me soft, understand. condemned totally. He does not he talk about who attack these synagogues and who attempts the way he does talk about Muslims who do, and you know it. And if really, you want, you know who I'll dis- send you disagree with of you? his statements. Yeah, who? Okay, disagree with you who? about that is Rabbi Goldstein today, that heroic man. Who I heard him, spoke and, I respect, and I respect his and, message. And, Isolation that the president brought him with his words, passion. And that is not that is not the way of a man who hates Jews and who praises. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. I didn't say uh, he's Nazis and I didn't say he hates Jews. If you can to the absurd, Steve, you're not worth the position. Or to the absurd. I'm saying he's quiet when it comes to how he condemns. Welcome back. I'm joined now by two gentlemen with very different views on how to respond to white supremacists when they take to the streets. Mark Bray is a Dartmouth professor who has studied the Antifa anti-fascist movement. Antifa is a far-left political movement that argues it's necessary to confront hate groups, sometimes with force. Professor Bray is author of the new book, Antifa, the Anti-Fascist Handbook. And Richard Cohen is the president of the Southern Poverty Law Center as an expert in hate groups, and he says direct confrontation simply leads to more of the kind of violence we saw in Charlottesville. Gentlemen, welcome to you both. I'm going to try to have this sort of debatey, so uh, Mark Bray, I'll start with you. You seem to be a very small minority here who is defending the idea of violence, considering that somebody died in Charlottesville. Why do you defend confronting in a violent way? 
Well, first, I would contest the notion that I'm that small of a minority. I think that a lot of people recognize that when pushed, self-defense is a legitimate response to white supremacy and neo-Nazi violence. And, you know, we've tried ignoring neo-Nazis in the past. We've seen how that turned out in the 20s and 30s. And the lesson of history is you need to take it with the utmost seriousness before it's too late. We've seen the millions of deaths that have come from not taking it seriously enough. And we can see that really the way that white supremacy grows, the way that neo-Nazism grows is by becoming legitimate, becoming established, becoming everyday, family-friendly, wear khakis instead of hoods. And the way to stop that is what people did in Boston, what people did in Charlottesville. Pull the emergency brake and say, you can't make this normal. Richard, why, is, why do you believe this is a mistake? I think it's a spectacularly bad idea to give one group of people the right to silence another group of people. Uh, it's contrary to our values embodied in the First Amendment. Uh, it's likely to drive the people who are trying to censor underground where they may resort to illegal means to express themselves, like bombs. And lastly, it's likely to leave. That was Chris Cuomo and Chuck Todd. Literally from 2017, validating, promoting Antifa on the airwaves. So are we surprised they defend so vehemently? And if it's not that, then it's white people. Every night, my wife wants to watch this. It just makes me really angry. But I watch it with her. And Chris Cuomo's constantly going, what was the race of that person? What's the race of that person's? See, it's white people. It's not angry black men. It's white people. White people. White people. They want to keep saying it. Until this morning when it leaked out. And that girl probably won't be on again. But she finally said, is Antifa, without saying the words Antifa. NBC News did a live blog. Portland, Oregon, Mayor. This is a riot. It's a full-on riot. We're going to play sound bites right after this. Minnesota governor hits white supremacists' drug cartels. Oakland protest highlights city's troubled relationship with his own police department. No justice, no peace in San Jose. Man shot and killed during Detroit protest. Shots fired at Minnesota police. Protesters block traffic near Colorado Capital. Minnesota governor calls early morning news conference. Phoenix sees protest over local national police killings. These are anarchists. Minnesota officials say outside agitators are hijacking peaceful protests. That was the USA Today after three days. They finally did it. Finally. They're so interlinked to this. Minnesota governor's daughter reassures protesters that the National Guard won't arrive for a while yet. Pete Hegseth. Why is the daughter of Minnesota's governor sharing information about the National Guard? Tall man, short hair. She's protected her tweets. So here's a screenshot. Hope Waltz, the guard cannot be seen within minutes. It'll take time for them to deploy because they come from all over the state. To be clear, the National Guard will not be present tonight. Could someone who actually has followed relate to the masses that have got National Guard trending that the guard will not be present tonight? There's a lot of misinformation that's further spreading fear and chaos and scenes of protest. The guard cannot be sent in within minutes. It takes time for them to deploy. Just because someone asks for something doesn't mean it's happening right away. Don't worry. Tear shit up. This is what the left, uh, Pelosi, no sound bites, Schumer, no sound bites. They don't need to because the media is doing it for them. 
Here's Camellia and de Blasio. And I will code what I really want to say to Donald Trump. It's two words. It begins with F and it ends with U. And we are joined now from Minneapolis by Congresswoman Ilan Omar. Congresswoman, thank you for joining us this morning. I know you've been in the community day and night for the last six days and urging people to stay home after the curfew. Did the National Guard get things under control last night? I think last night the community did feel um, safe to know that there will not be a burning of their businesses and their homes. We were obviously worried and feeling terrorized about that prospect. Uh, But there really was also many people who chose to demonstrate uh, and not abide by the curfew, um, who felt like they also were terrorized by the presence of um, tanks, by the presence of the National Guard uh, and a militarized police. And so for us, it's what we are trying to do is try to figure out something between extreme aggression uh, and um, and, and, and ways to, to figure out how to not get our city burned down. And it's, it's a challenge. And as you said, George, our, our country is uh, in pain. People can't get that image of George Floyd having the life choked out of him by a police officer who was supposed to protect and serve our community. Um, but this also is a reminder. I have not, I'll always, Dave, tell you what I know and what I don't know. I've not seen the specific uh, words coming out of the White House or actions, but I can tell you this, and this is the blunt truth. Uh, the President of the United States helped to create this atmosphere, and that's the tragedy here. Uh, doesn't matter what your party affiliation is, doesn't matter what you think of President Trump, uh, there's been an uptick in tension and hatred and division since he came along. It's just a fact. And it's not the reason for any specific act, but it has helped to poison the atmosphere. So um, we got to get back to leaders talking about unity. They literally don't have to say anything because the media is doing it for them. They just let people like Yalmani, Malcinder, fucking Cooper... Cuomo, Acosta, Lemon, they, they all get to sit back while they say it for them. And, and they have proof of all of this. De Blasio's daughter was arrested. She's part of Antifa. Omar's daughter is arrested. And you heard her in there. There aren't any tanks. They're Mavs and Lavs. And they have people. Samantha Shader at Catskills accused of throwing a Molotov cocktail NYPD vehicle for four cops aside could be charged with attempted murder. Her sister was also arrested. Pair of Brooklyn lawyers, including Ivy League corporate attorney charged in Molotov cocktail attack. They took pictures afterwards. Moments Molotov sisters 27 throw petrol bombs at police. 
Van with four NYPD officers inside during Floyd. Samantha Shader was arrested. Footage obtained exclusively by the Daily Mail shows it. Jack Probasek. Burn that shit down. Burn it all down, Chris Martin Palmer, NBA, said. They just attacked our sister community down the street. It's a gated community. They tried to climb the gates. They had to beat them back, then destroyed a Starbucks. They're now in front of my building. Get these animals the fuck out of my neighborhood. <laughs> He's a damn. They pushed so hard, police in Flint put down weapons and joined protesters. Other sheriffs did the same thing in a moment of solidarity. Biden staff joins all the celebrities and donating for bail. His staff did it. And then once the declaration came out, that's when the media really got stupid. Here's the official statement. With the rioting that's occurring in many of our cities around the country, the voice of peaceful, legitimate protesters have been hijacked by violent, radical element. Groups of outside radicals and agitators are exploiting the situation to pursue their own separate, violent, and extreme agenda. It's time to stop watching the violence and confront and stop it. The continued violence destruction of property and days of life and livelihoods is also undercuts the urgent work that needs to be done through constructive engagement between blah, 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 blah. Is responsibility state and national guard necessary, blah, blah, blah. Federal law enforcement acts will direct and apprehending and charging the violent, radical agitators of Hijack peaceful protest to identify criminal organization investigators and contorne, and now he sunk everybody. The violent thing is the violence instigated and carried out by Antifa and other similar groups in connection with the rioting to domestic terrorism and be treated accordingly. Media lost their shit. They just lost their shit. But Twitter just suspended Anify U.S. for tweeting directing Anify rioters to break into suburban homes, give them what they deserve. Tonight, tonight's the night, comrades. Tonight we say fuck the city and we move into the residential areas, the white hoods, and we take what's ours. Count finally got suspended. We even have pictures this is Olivia Hull, born in Cedar Springs, lives in Detroit with two of her kids, took a bus to Grand Rapids with other rioters last night, supposedly paid $200 each to riot, given lead pipes and these instructions. And they have pictures of her bashing windows. As stated, de Blasio, the first daughter, Chara D. de Blasio was arrested near the intersection of 12th Street and Broadway, along with approximately 100 other people who were instructed to clear the roadway but refused. Sources, de Blasio was arrested last night alongside protesters rocking the street. I've never been prouder, he said. And simultaneously after it, with the media, and you heard the sound bites, David Hogg, my grandpa was part of Antifa forces in World War II. Sad Donald Trump has labeled him and his fellow vets as terrorists. The world and people like me attack the shit out of him because I'm a vet. And that's not what we did. What I've been seeing is no different than the Taliban. But what do liberals keep doing? Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin wants everyone to know that she's watched her city go up in flames. It was white men. I want to acknowledge that much of the violence and destruction both here in Seattle and across the country has been instigated and perpetrated by white men. 
These individuals experience the height of privilege and are co-opting peaceful demonstrations that are organized by and meant to center people, people of color, particularly black Americans. It's the white guys. And before we get into all the sound bites of just utter violence, Zuby music, things you can't do, go to work, visit family, go to church, opening your shop, getting a haircut, going on vacation, going to the gym, going to the mall, going to the movies, going to the beach, going to concerts, burning down and looting your whole neighborhood is okay, because one month ago, you were a white supremacist killing grandma, KKK motherfucker, for getting a temperature check and going in the Michigan Capitol, or doing any lockdown protest during the COVID pandemic. Now they say nothing. By today, CNN journalists are no longer wearing masks. Even they gave up on it. So what's my point? This is what the left and the media is fighting for. We'll start with just simple violence. This is just simple violence. Um, And I'll do a montage. We're going to do montage. Nashville started with the mayor doing the I Can't Breathe. I think I said on the last podcast, I mocked it. By the evening, they were burning the courthouse and the state capitol because Antifa came. L.A. riots, eat the rich. Chicago Nike store. Chicago cop beaten. Black man pulled out of a car and beaten by the mob. And you heard in our montage there, the mayor, instead of actually addressing this, she was addressing Trump saying, fuck you. Excuse the 
None of that is social justice. Stealing Nike shoes, I don't know what that is. That was actually pinned on BLM. Then we have my sister who sent me a bunch of stuff. Some of this is um, Colorado. These are TikTok videos. And a local report of what's happening there, all for social justice. Do you want to put that back? I don't go in that building. Is there crap in your car that belongs to that company? That Is there crap in your I car that belongs there? Answer the question. I've got your plate. fires tonight uh just one to another to another noel yeah kyle we just walked up on this one uh we're at uh, 12th in pennsylvania it looks like we've got a uh, at least two dumpsters and just some trash that have been thrown in the middle of uh that has been thrown in the middle of the street here uh it looks like denver fire has has just gotten here uh but yeah these are this is right in the middle of the street the other fires that we've seen have been pretty much in the alleyways. Um, you know, this is coming pretty close to some of the parked cars here. Uh, luckily, we've got Denver Fire that's arriving to take care of uh, these these dumpster fires. It's the most dumpster fires, Kyle, I think I've covered in a half-hour period. But, um, yeah, this is... Looks like trash bins, mattress... 
and uh, at least two, maybe two, three dumpsters. But again, Denver Fire is here, so they should be able to take care of this uh, pretty quickly. We've got people that are just out here taking pictures of this. Um, Denver police are in the area. We've seen them driving around. Um, they have been firing pepper balls at people, uh, dispersing those small groups uh, that have formed. Um, again, this looks pretty contained. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that it's not going to impact any of the cars that are parked here. And again, fortunate that Denver Fire is here. They should be able to take care of these dumpster fires, more dumpster fires. They should be able to take yeah. care of them pretty quickly. Yeah. Kyle. Take and then we have the truly violent. I mean, this is... This is stuff I, I never thought I'd ever see in America. Um, I'm going to do uh, the Dallas beatdown that most of you seen. A FedEx truck looter getting run over. The flag burning from Portland where they beat the shit out of the guy. Looting a UPS truck. A mega guy beaten down. Portland, a, a woman beaten by peaceful protesters. Then we're going to do some individuals that are just unconscionable. Oh my god! 
Oh my god. That FedEx truck. Oh my fucking god. Fuck. Oh my fucking god. They still dragging them. What the fuck? Oh my fucking god. Fuck. This next one was a TikTok video that the person played. It is a very large black youth in a retirement home punching an invalid white man that can't leave his bed over and over and over and then filming the aftermath like it was the greatest thing ever.
See this bitch ass nigga, you get off my dick. This bitch ass nigga. Fuck off my dick, nigga. Fuck off my dick. Fuck it. Bitch ass nigga. Bitch ass fuck off my dick, nigga. Fuck off. I don't know why you film that. I don't know why you film that. And what this has to do with social justice. Here is another Dallas beatdown. This man looked like he was dead. You probably saw it. If you watch Tucker Carlson, you probably saw it. And you probably saw the last one in the previous where the woman's just getting hit by a fucking two-by-four over and over by four black youth that are trying to steal stuff from their store. And she's like 70. But this gentleman, and then I'll just play the worst one ever, which is Portland, and the guy got his teeth kicked out. They slammed him on the ground, and he's dead. He died. From this attack. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Shit! Look at how stupid I to sit down up against that wall over there for a few minutes. Where'd that come from? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah.
So what happened, man? What happened? Got a little too close. People are good swinging. No, I just were getting on somebody, and I started. I swung Oh, that is blood and teeth. Yeah, look at this guy over here. Oh fuck, that's him. What happened? I should say it's being reported he died. The first one, the Dallas beatdown, the guy actually came on Twitter and said he was alive. And he had a machete, but he was trying to defend his place, and they just beat him and kicked him. It was a mixed group of African-American and white people. But it was Antifa that did the teeth. The last soundbite you just heard. I don't know what he did to deserve that. And then lastly, the horrible violence. A month ago, we had people doing lockdown protests, but because they're majority white and they're conservative, they were KKK and racist. And one of the line of criticism that came out of CNN and MSNBC was why would somebody bring their kid to a protest? This is a little girl in Seattle. Her parents brought her. She got maced. There have been some positives that have come out of this. We're going to play a Cincinnati City Councilman. Who it's really hurting, a black lady who's just crying because everything in her area is destroyed. Looters. It's about the money, not Floyd. And intruders in Atlanta getting fucking schwacked because they didn't know somebody was there with a gun. One of them died. The rest were wounded. Just to protect the cops, but it was just to protect the people. And, and what I can't understand is that this is Cincinnati police. This is, this is, this is not Minneapolis police. And, and what they're doing is just absolutely horrendous. As a member of city council, this is my first time ever seeing something like this. When this first happened in 2001, I was only 17 years old, right? I can't understand for the life of me what is going on right now in the city of Cincinnati. And I'm going to be here until these folks and the other folks are protected. Let me tell you something. There are people down here who are encouraging 14-year-old kids. These babies are 14 years old, man, and they're encouraging them to throw bottles at these cops. And these grown people are encouraging our babies to fight. This is not their fight. And I will give a f- how mad or angry you are with what is happening with the police. But these 15-year-old kids have nothing to do with this, man. And these, these cops, black cops white cops or whatever like that they did not do anything and i'm not not here to take one side or the other but what i'm suggesting to the, the people of cincinnati is that what type of success are you going to have with attacking these people they have nothing to do with them and what i'm saying is is that you got every you got people down here who are literally encouraging kids to attack cops you're 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 encouraging the kids to attack cops 
and they're, they're using Emmett Till. They're using Martin Luther King to justify why these 14 and 15-year-old kids should be out here. These are former students of mine. You see what I'm saying? I am saying I am imploring that before this pops and this gets bad, they're throwing bricks. They just threw a brick at these cops. It's wrong. I'm telling you it's wrong. And, and, and I don't, I, I'm, I'm so nervous and I'm so scared for these kids. These are kids. They, they're kids around, they're kids across the street who live downtown in City West and these people are out here encouraging them. And, and as, a, as an elder in the African American community, if any African American is encouraging these 14 and 15 year old kids to be out here, they're wrong. That's wrong. These, these cops didn't do anything to George Floyd. This is wrong. I don't get how you see it. It's wrong. Thank you. And sorry for cussing. Scene. Three robbers caught on camera breaking into a home in Atlanta. Surveillance footage from inside the house shows armed men running rampant. About a minute later, a woman holding a gun comes out from the back room. One intruder points his gun at her and shots are fired. It's unclear whose gun went off first. It looks like the men scramble to escape as the woman chases them. Two out the front door and one out a window in the back. Then the woman calls 911. Where are they now? <clears throat> they because I got a gun. During the violent exchange, police say one of the criminals was shot and killed. The woman will not be charged for his death. Police say she acted in self-defense. The two other intruders have yet to be identified. Police say they are considered armed and dangerous. We saw a looter actually get taken down by LAPD a short time ago. So we're at Wilshire and 26. There's a New Balance store on the corner. Uh, we saw a group of looters breaking in. They tried to flee. They got into a car and took off, but they left one guy behind who wasn't fast enough. LAPD saw and began pursuit. If we can pull up that video right now, we'll show it to you. Uh, we started rolling as soon as we saw LAPD see them. You're going to see an LAPD cruiser immediately take, take off after one of the looters who was running on foot trying to get away. He tries to turn a corner, LAPD catches up to him, they get out and he immediately surrenders and gets taken down without incident. Now, I had the chance to interview this guy just a short time ago and he was very candid about why he's out here. Take a listen to what he had to say. Alright man, we saw you at the New Balance store. Why are you out here? Uh, man, period, point blank. Just like all my real ones trying to do, trying to get some money. Explanation, that's it. I'm trying to get some dough, that's it. Just out here for the money? Yeah, pretty much. Anything to do with the protests, what happened in Minnesota? I mean, a little bit to do with that, too, you feel me? But not really. I'm out here for the dub. Was it worth it? Obviously not. I'm out here hemmed up. Yeah, y'all see it? Man, if y'all gonna get some money, do it right. Don't do it the dumb way. Do it the smart way. Man. Thanks for your time, man. Best of luck to you. I've been hearing your frustrations, and I would love for you to share them with the community right now because... You and so many others are going through such a rough time. How's, how was last night? It's scary. I live in the high rise right back here, and I seen them as they came down Lake Street. But then they turned and started coming over here, and I'm sitting out looking in my, out my window. And they went straight to Office Max, the dollar store, and every store over here that I go to. I have nowhere to go now. I have no way to get there because the buses aren't running. These people did this for no reason. It's not going to bring 
George back here. George is in a better place than we are. Last, last night, I'm going to be honest, I wish I was where George was because this is ridiculous. These people are tearing up our livelihood. This is the only place I could go to shop. And now I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anywhere to get there. I could play one about, you know, the cop who's saying, hey, listen, my people have, the people in this town have fucking guns, and they're going to shoot you if you go to the suburbs, because that broke out. It broke out everywhere. My, my parents knew they were huddled in their house, scared to death. They don't have a gun. And they live like 12 miles from Portland. And our media covered none of it, because they were too busy defending them. But I will play this, because there's a lot of this online. The whole co- concept fed by Obama is that everybody who's white's racist. But I see a lot of black people saying some pretty horrible shit, and here's one protester. And we'll segue into a soundbite of an NBC host and Veshi being hit by bullets. Because they're part of the protest. They're not covering the protest. They're part of the protest. You are all white males. You guys should care that my people have to suffer because people look like you and they kill us. We are not the... I know, he doesn't care. He, none of them care. He doesn't care. You know that this country is built from my we built this country. You white people steal everything from us. You white people steal everything from us. Just know that. White people are not shit. ...was in front and has moved forward. You are now hearing sirens. There are people moving in. I'm not sure what that is. That's an ambulance that's going by. Uh, but that is the situation now. I will tell you, I'm going to ask uh, Miguel to just take a quick spin around. Take a quick look at this, Miguel. We got we got protesters now moving closer in. The police continue to fire. <coughs> Ali, it sounds like they're chanting, do it, do it, like they're daring the state troopers to fire on them again. Is that? Am I hearing that right? All right, guys, I got hit. Yeah, I got hit. Hold on. Let's come back out for just a minute. Ali Velshi is standing by on the scene with us in Minneapolis where things have certainly... Again, tonight things have seemed more localized, uh, but I'm limited by my own perspective here, which is uh, having kept at least one eye on the White House all night. As we progress here up 16th Street, I want to just show you what we're seeing here. MPD, that's the Metropolitan Police Department of D.C., the main cops here in D.C., are coming in from the east, and they've essentially tried to close off the south towards the White House, the east towards Capitol Hill. You can see fire burning in the distance. I think that's probably another burning car or SUV. We saw some of that last night. And they're going to force everybody west. They're going to force egress into west and northwest in the city. And my God. Uh, So that's at least one car on fire and another flipped over here on I Street in 16th in downtown Central Business District of Washington, D.C. And those are fireworks being used by the protesters. And we're going to continue. Katie, forgive me. We're going to make some moves here just so that we don't. Ah, shit. 
we're going to end up in a place we don't want to be here if we're not careful, Katie. So, oh, damn it. Oh. Jared, just move out of the there side. as quickly as you can. Garrett, stop talking. Move out of there. Get safe. We're going to check back in to make sure that he is okay. It sounds like he might have been hit with something there. Oh, wait, he's, he's, he is still with us. Garrett, are you okay? Yeah, I'm here. I hit the side with either... I don't think it was rubber balls. I've had that before, rubber bullets or something. I don't want to be like overly dramatic about it. I know what it was. Certainly didn't feel great. And in fact, just two gets out of the intersection, which is what police now. We've been under curfew for eight minutes. I wasted any here in down. Garrett, Garrett, as you're cutting out, as your friend and as Brian said a moment ago, as somebody yeah. who knows your parents as well, I want you to get to a safe place. Get out of there. There are people running towards you. We'll come back to you once you find some cover because, God forbid, you get hit with something again. Garrett Hake, um, we're going we're gonna to keep watching your shot. Um, it is just startling to see, and it, 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 it takes the words right out of your mouth, startling to see what is happening across the country, but especially what is happening in Washington, D.C. Again, Garrett is just a few hundred yards away from the White House. While all this terrible violence is going on, and the video as I played, and the only place I've seen him is actually on Tucker Carlson last night. He played some of them. Our media has made it about them because of the arrest. CNN has all these little bumpers and promos about go there instead of facts first because I think they realize they can't say that anymore. And because my wife has wanted to watch this and I haven't, we've been watching it and it's it's hard not to see CNN specifically as part of the protests. So I laugh about them getting shot, but Ali Veshi was giving instructions the other night on TV to the protesters. And every time they come in, uh, these are peaceful protests. And there'll be shit burning and looting around, but it's people, they just want to keep that story going. And they forever keep promoting the protest and spinning and trying to make that none of this is violence. And there's a black lady on CNN who literally sounds like she's part of BLM when she starts talking. I mean, they... A&E put out BLM paperwork last night. It's coming from BLM. It's black with white letters. I got it from Bleacher Report and other businesses because BLM handed it out and they were, well, if I don't send this, then I'm a racist, so we'll send it. It, I, I, I don't understand why we can't report the news. Chris Saliza, we do not strive to be the story. We're here to cover the story. No, you, you are the story. You constantly make it the story. Last night, We'll get to it in just a second. They literally were the story. They set it up so they could spend their whole evening doing what they said they were going to do. That he was going to do. And then Seltzer, journalists covering protests face assault and arrest. Um, here, here, just, I'm not going to read it. Here's Brian Seltzer doing what Brian Seltzer always does, which is make the media the story. 
but it is in America. Cities are cleaning up after the worst weekend of civil unrest in America since the 1960s. Now, when I say worst, I mean the most widely spread, with acts of vandalism in at least three dozen cities since Friday. Protests, in some cases, have gave, given way to riots. Countless injuries among protesters and police officers. Disturbing scenes of looting and fires. Also, some disturbing videos of police aggression at some of these protests. We have reporters and commentators standing by in Minneapolis, Philly, Baltimore, San Francisco, and elsewhere. We're going to show you with David Zurowick, Jane Coaston, Aaron Haynes, many more coming up in the next few minutes. But we have to talk first about what we've seen in the past 48 hours. The appalling targeting of reporters who are trying to tell America's story. There is so much that's so wrong about this situation. First and foremost, the videos seen around the world. The video of George Floyd's final minutes alive. It's so wrong that it's hard to see. But it is right that we look. It is right that we bear witness. And it is right to see protesters taking action as a result. But it is wrong to see reporters and photographers and news crews being assaulted and arrested at these protests. Police firing rubber bullets at reporters when the reporters are holding up press badges? That doesn't belong in America. Authorities handcuffing reporters is wrong. That's what happens in authoritarian regimes, not in America. But yet it happened again last night in Minneapolis and in New York. These threats against the press are not just coming from police. In recent days, protesters have ganged up on the press in several cities. We've seen uh, a photojournalist attacked. We've seen a TV news crew chased out of a park. That is wrong. Rioters destroying TV news vehicles and stealing cameras is wrong. Almost everybody knows this. And it's right to call it out and say that America is better than this. Reporters don't want to be the story. They just want to tell the stories of the protesters and the police and the residents of these communities that want to be able to feel safe. Let me show you some of the examples of what we've seen in terms of reporters seemingly being targeted. This, for example, was on Friday in Louisville. This is a local CBS reporter and her cameraman in Louisville, Kentucky, apparently shot with pepper balls while live on the air. Uh, later, the police apologized to the station. But we've seen other reporters. Uh, here's Dallas, for example, other reporters uh, being being hit by uh, rubber bullets, uh, by tear gas. Uh, there, there are these uh, situations we've seen in a number of different cities. I'll read some other examples to you. A reporter in Columbia, South Carolina, was hit by a rock and had to be taken to the hospital. Here's a freelance photographer in Minneapolis who was shot in the left eye while covering the protest. She says she's been blinded in one of her eyes as a result. In Chicago, a Chicago Tribune photographer said looters shoved and stole her cameras. In D.C., this is in Washington, in Lafayette Park, a Fox News crew was harassed and then chased out of the park by protesters who were cursing and screaming at Fox News and criticizing right-wing media. This is deplorable behavior by protesters. We've also seen in Las Vegas the arrests of two photographers. Police took these photographers into custody. That is completely inappropriate. Uh, they were then let out the next morning. You know, we need to follow up on these cases and make sure that people are held accountable when these incidents happen. Reporters should not be the story in these cases. But it's happened again in the past few hours. Overnight here in New York City, a reporter for HuffPost was arrested while wearing a police badge and covering a protest in Brooklyn. Uh, in Minneapolis, a Los Angeles Times staff writer had police firing tear gas and rubber bullets at point blank, blank range at her into a crowd of protesters and journalists. We're going to 
going to talk to her in just a moment. Uh, a Reuters cameraman also said he was hit by rubber bullets. Some reporters have had to seek medical attention. A news crew for KCRW says the LAPD shot at her with rubber bullets as she was holding her press badge above her head. In at least one case, as I mentioned, uh, we've seen protesters being the aggressors. Uh, this is a photographer for KDKA in Pittsburgh. He says he was attacked by protesters downtown on Saturday. Quote, they stomped and kicked me, he said in a tweet from the back of the ambulance. I'm bruised and bloody but alive. My camera was destroyed. Another group of protesters pulled me out and saved my life. Thank you. This is what's happening to members of the media in cities across the country this weekend. It feels like targeting. It feels like an escalation. It is deeply disturbing, and we're waiting for statements about it from the president and from other national leaders. When about a dozen reporters were arrested in Ferguson in 2014, President Obama spoke out about that and defended the rights of the press. We will see who defends the rights of the press this weekend and in the days to come. In D.C., this is in Washington, in Lafayette Park, a Fox News crew was harassed and then chased out of the park by protesters who were cursing and screaming at Fox News and criticizing right-wing media. This is deplorable behavior by protesters. We've also seen in Las Vegas the arrests of two photographers. Police took these photographers into custody. That is completely inappropriate. Uh, they were then let out the next morning. You know, we need to follow up on these cases and make sure that people are held accountable when these incidents happen. Reporters should not be the story in these cases. But it's happened again in the past few hours. Overnight here in New York City, a reporter for HuffPost was arrested while wearing a police badge and covering a protest in Brooklyn. Uh, in Minneapolis, a Los Angeles Times staff writer had police firing tear gas and rubber bullets at point blank range at her into a crowd of protesters and journalists. We're going to talk to her in just a moment. Look, when journalists are not interfering, when they are not uh, disrupting law enforcement, they should not be targeted by law enforcement. Uh, but I wonder, Molly, if, if you feel like there is an increasing amount of targeting happening. That's what it feels like to me, but I'm in a studio. You're actually there. You know, I wore my press badge the same way there and in other situations in Baton Rouge, in Dallas, uh, and, and this never happened. Look, these are issues that date back a long time. Uh, you know, it's pre-President Trump. But I've got to think that rhetoric against the media from Trump and other politicians and television stars has got to be a problem that's just making a bad situation worse. That's just my, my personal view. They're in such a zeal. Own Brian Seltzer falls on face, deletes tweets, doubting D.C. church was burning. St. John Church in Lafayette Square is burning right now. Every single president since James Madison has sat in this church. It's historic. What's your source? Live video, St. John's does not show fire. Shannon Bream. Oh, it's Fox. We can see the church on your TV, right? No sign of smoke or fire on the church. Small fire. And then he had to go back and delete it. Because it was, but he wasn't going to trust Fox News. I deleted my tweets because I fell victim to the worst foolish impulses of this website. I'm sorry for criticizing your tweets. I'm also sorry if anyone uses brief exchange to distract from what really matters. The protests, the police, the church. It, it comes into play in just a second. It comes into play because it was the setup that Trump fell into. Lee High of House. Lee of House. Lee Toss. I'm devastated. We're a progressive newspaper. Last night I was inside when the first brick was thrown. Raleigh. She didn't say that the brick was thrown by Anifa, who pre-proed the bricks. 
There's videos everywhere on Twitter. And, and everything I'm talking about and why I'm so disgusted, all of this is on Twitter, and all these media are on Twitter constantly promoting themselves. And they see it. It's there. Normal people are putting all of this up. It's constant. It's there. And they won't report what's happening. Until parts of their town got fucked up. It took till this morning for CNN to finally start talking about what's really happening. But they won't say the word Antifa. Susan Hennessy. This is a CNN person. As coronavirus numbers climb from here, I think it's safe to assume that Trump will now attempt to blame these protests for the spread rather than his own inadequate and incompetent response. Everything's political for them. I could play CNN bashing the Attorney General. Lemon, you losing again. CNN, everything is peaceful. Why anarchy is going on. MSDNC protesters and looters are not bad. I could play that. But I don't have to, because I can just go into our This Is America section with the first soundbite I was going to do, which is the Don Lemon show from two nights ago with Spike Lee where they tried to pour gas on a fire. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. It has to be said is that the president, I think, ran the risk and still runs the risk of the possibility that he could lead people to commit acts of violence when he engages in that kind of rhetoric. We've seen this before when he referred to the caravan of migrants heading towards the border uh, as an invasion in 2018. We saw a mass shooting at a Walmart in El Paso. The shooter in that in that event referred to the president's use of the term invasion. Uh, when the president refers to the press as the enemy of the people and then there is attempts of violence uh, aimed at the press, that is a cause and effect. And I think that was the other realization over here at the White House, Wolf and Don, and that is the president, when he tweets things like when the looting starts, the shooting starts, there is the very real risk, because we've seen this before. It's happened before. We're not speculating. It's happened before. There's a real possibility that when he tweets something like that, somebody could get shot. And the shooter could potentially say, I heard this from the president. I saw his tweet. He motivated me to do this. And it, it's not, it's not uh, exaggerating things to talk about that possibility, because as, as, we, as we've seen, Wolf, it's happened in the past. This president traffics in racist and incendiary language all the time. Not only did he say when the looting starts, the shooting starts, but look at the other tweets that we put up. And I don't know if we have them, if we have them at the ready now. Thugs, where he start, where he called people thugs. Well, guess what? He's calling a whole lot of people thugs, uh, because it was not only African Americans who were in that crowd, uh, of protesters. Many of them, if not most of them, from the pictures that I've been seeing, are of different ethnicities. There are a lot of white people in that crowd, in the, in the crowd, uh, as well. So he's calling not only African Americans, which may be a dog whistle for, 
for some people in his, in his base. He's calling a whole lot of people thugs. That did not happen when we saw the 99.9% of people who were on state houses uh, protesting, spitting in police officers' faces, burning flags, and wanting to liberate and open, uh, open up the country. He, didn't, he said that those were good people who cared about their country. They were good Americans. They were breaking rules and also putting people's health at risk. And so I don't understand the difference between those good people who want to liberate because they want a haircut or they're tired of sitting on their couches and they're armed to the teeth with semi-automatic weapons. So I don't understand the difference between protesters. Listen, this got out of control in Minneapolis. No doubt about it. No one is condoning the violence. But again, I understand the anger. I don't understand the actions. I'm not going to judge people because when you don't have an outlet, when you don't have a platform, when you're upset and when you're angered, people lash out in ways that I, you or I may not understand. So I will give them the benefit of, of the doubt. But what I will say to them is that enough is enough. This takes away from the message. Protest. Do it smartly. Hold the signs. Hold your leaders accountable. Do it in that way. But this president, he knows exactly what he's doing. He is inflaming racial division in this country because he thinks, not only does he think, he knows it works for him in certain circles in his base. That's exactly what has happened. Well, Don, here's the thing. Ray Rahim, a fictional character, is based upon Michael Stewart. In 1983, he was doing graffiti in New York City subway station and he was killed by the New York City transit cops. That's where I got that deal for Ray Rahim. That was back in 1983, the right thing came in 1989. And so when I see the tape with Eric Gardner, I'm like, oh my God, that's the same thing. And then with George, so, it's it's a devaluation and dehumanization dehumanization of black lives, and uh, this guy we got in the White House he ain't helping. Hmm. I'm minding my business, officer. I'm minding my business. Please just leave me alone. I told you the last time. Please just leave me alone. Up a fight. You fucking stopping his breathing right there, bro. Back up, back it up. Bro, he's not even fucking moving. Get off of his fucking neck, bro. No. 
No, bro, look at him. He's already fighting right now, bro. Sir, CMS, come on. We're going to get you to help, all right? Get back on the street. Don't touch the street. Don't touch the street. You could at least lifted him up off the ground, bro. We wouldn't even trip, bro. Yeah, 987, you just killed that nigga, bro. You just, just killed really him, bro. just killed that man. You just really killed that man, bro. The man who followed this flag 150 years ago knew what it meant. Treason against their country. The death of a United States. America defeated the men who followed that flag. Those with honor surrendered and cast it aside forever. So why does it keep showing up today at events supporting Donald Trump? And why does he call the folks who carry it very fine people? I think there's blame on both sides. But you also had people that were very fine people. What does it say that they're all in for Trump? What does it say that he won't condemn a flag of hate, division, and losers? For us... It says this is a time for choosing America or Trump. At the end there, I put the 1619 project trying to sling Confederate flag to Trump. It was all done simultaneously. The Spike Lee video was do the right thing, and they shoved it together with stuff from right now. And the show was, I can't breathe black men in America. And the whole concept was pretty much every black person in America is under assault by the police. And the stats don't show that, but that's what they went with. And they run that shit out. And they do a, a composium, which I couldn't get. And I wouldn't play because it was like 12 minutes long. Of the 10 major incidences... Throughout the last 10 years, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, the dude with cigarettes, the first I can't breathe, and I can never remember his name, and I, I should, so sorry I can't, I, I, I don't remember, over and over and over, hitting that point, bringing Spike Lee on to facilitate more America is horrible everybody's racist to what end I mean what was the reason why why did why do we need to do this what is the purpose of this other than to incite more violence I mean that's the only thing I could think of that's why they wanted to do it they wanted more violence because they want these riots to keep going and pin it to Trump. And never mind that we already talked about last podcast. This is, this is Obama's doing. Get in your house coat and your slippers and go out. You're going to end up in a ditch demeaning the other side as racist on everything, getting involved in everything to the point that we still have hands up, don't shoot, which is a lie. It was a lie. Holder said it was a lie. Obama said it's a lie. Ten years later, we're still saying it. These crowds still believe a black man was shot with his hands up. 
But that was just the beginning. Friday, the president had to be moved to the bunker. The president doesn't move himself to the bunker. The Secret Service does that. Anybody who watched the West Wing, anybody who knows anything about anything, knows that that's not how it works. He doesn't have a choice. He has to do what they say. So the far left was he's bunker boy, hiding. So he gave a speech, because they said he hasn't given a speech. He hasn't talked to the country. And they set it up, well, pretty much like this. They set it up that he hasn't given a speech. It's going to be a photo op. And to do it, he wanted to go to the church and hold a Bible, which we'll talk about in a second, to say that everything's okay. He was basically talking to his base. What Obama did for eight years, and they had no problems with it. But they were so upset that protesters got moved out of an area, and they were setting it up to say it was just a photo op so that they could set up the rest of their coverage for that night and this morning's. So this is how it started, basically belittling him for clearing out the area. Uh, if you want to bring about real change, then the choice isn't between protest and politics. We have to do both. We have to mobilize to raise awareness, and we have to organize and cast our ballots to make sure that we elect candidates who will act on reform. If going forward we can channel our justifiable anger into peaceful, sustained, and effective action, then this moment can be a real turning point in our nation's long history to live up to our highest ideals. Wolf, uh, those words really stand in stark contrast with uh, some of the tough talk that we're hearing from the president right now. Uh, he's all but calling on authorities to crack skulls at these protests. And it is it is a striking sight. We can show the video uh, one more time, just because it's so remarkable to see military-style vehicles uh, rolling through the White House complex. You know, I mean, it's just not something that you normally see in the United States of America. It's something that you see in uh, more authoritarian countries. And those... Vehicles are now staging themselves on Pennsylvania Avenue, the pedestrian part of Pennsylvania Avenue, filled to the brim with National Guard troops, presumably Wolf, as a show of force and potentially to repel uh, any kind of uh, violence that we might see as we have seen. What I hear in the president's voice, and this is just what I hear, I hear fear. Anytime you are saying, you guys are weak, you need to apply force, what are you going to do? Put a fortress around the White House, put a fortress around America, and, and not engage with the people who are telling you who are outside of your door, screaming, hey, we need to be heard. Listen to us. Listen to us. We matter. Black lives matter. And, uh, we matter in America. You're not listening to us. And here you are with the President of the United States building a fortress around it is. It does not. It was a photo op. That, that's what it was. It was to project strength to the people that wanted strength because not the CNN crowd or the liberals. A lot of scared people. There's people in Santa Monica that want to recall their sheriff and mayor. People are getting done with this. By this morning, some CNNers are done with it because now it's affecting their lives. It's easy to be like that NBA star and go burn it down, fuck those motherfuckers, fuck the cops like my daughter does because 
she she she'll go with whatever Facebook tells her until it's on your doorstep, and then you're like, "Well, fuck this! I don't want my shit broken. I don't want to get beat up." So then they cue this up as they're saying it's a photo op. CNN is doing a photo op to set up their coverage to bash the president and. Hand it over to Don Lemon to go on another one of his racist, I hate white people screeds, and the president's a piece of shit, and to call him a fucking dictator, and we're teetering on a dictator, and this is the ultimate in bias. That this was all set up by CNN, knowing what he was going to do, because they probably got a pre-coverage like everybody does, they got a prep of the speech, they knew what was going to happen. So they say, well, we want him to supine for BLM, and if he doesn't supine, then he's going to be a dictator, and then we can call him a dictator, and say the peaceful protesters were hurt, and he hates black America, and it sounded like this. In action to safeguard their residents. Innocent people have been savagely beaten, like the young man in Dallas, Texas, who was left dying on the street, or the woman in upstate New York, viciously attacked by dangerous thugs. Small business owners have seen their dreams utterly destroyed. New York's finest have been hit in the face with bricks. Brave nurses who have battled the virus are afraid to leave their homes. A police precinct has been overrun here in the nation's capital. The Lincoln Memorial and the World War II Memorial have been vandalized. For this very moment that just happened in front of our eyes, why were we pretending otherwise? Open your eyes, America. Open your eyes. We are teetering on a dictatorship. We are te- This is chaos. Has the president, I, I'm listening, is the president declaring war on Americans? What is happening here? He's saying he wants to protect, he wants to protect peaceful protesters at the same time sending law enforcement and military into the streets to push peaceful protesters back, to be aggressive with peaceful protesters. He is doing the exact opposite of what he said in that speech. I think the president is playing a very, very dangerous game here. There are a lot of Americans who are out on these streets who are upset, who are frustrated, who are angry. Again, I am not condoning violence at, at, at all. And I hope that they remain peaceful, but I, and I, but I hope that they stand up and fight for their rights to peacefully protest in this country. But he's playing a very dangerous game because this will backfire. People are upset and they're angry. These people, as I have been saying as well, they feel like they are occupied in their own communities by police departments, many of them militarized police departments. Now the entire country, according to his orders, we are living under a militarized country, or we will be soon, and it will play out in front of our very eyes on national television. This was a made-for-television moment. And what I wanted to say after that, which I believe to be true, and I know to be true now, is that earlier on that phone call that we heard that Jim Acosta played for us earlier, when the president said, you are being weak, you have to show strength, that the Minneapolis Police Department was on fire. I've never seen anything like this before. I said he sounded weak and scared. Those were the orders from the commander-in-chief 
for this very moment that just happened in front of our eyes. Why were we pretending otherwise? Open your eyes, America. Open your eyes. We are teetering on a dictatorship. We are te- This is chaos. Has the president, I, I'm listening, is the president declaring war on Americans? What is happening here? He's saying he wants to protect, he wants to protect peaceful protesters at the same time, sending law enforcement and military into the streets to push peaceful protesters back, to be aggressive with peaceful protesters. He is doing the exact opposite of what he said in that speech. I think the president is playing a very, very dangerous game here. There are a lot of Americans who are out on these streets who are upset, who are frustrated, who are angry. Again, I am not condoning violence at, at, at all. And I hope that they remain peaceful, but I, and I, but I hope that they stand up and fight for their rights to peacefully protest in this country. But he's playing a very dangerous game because this will backfire. People are upset and they're angry. These people, as I have been saying as well, they feel like they are occupied in their own communities by police departments, many of them militarized police departments. Now the entire country, according to his orders, we are living under a militarized country, or we will be soon, and it will play out in front of our very eyes on national television. Now understand, they're Chiron the whole time is he attacked peaceful protesters. The center of his speech, they have a split screen like MSNBC does. There are no protesters by the White House, but where they're at, the camera's still there. And they turn the volume up. There wasn't that many people. There was under 100 people there in the group they were with. And they turned it up to drown out his speech to make it look like he was doing this under protest. And then they commenced to go on a full screed that was, and I could read it, but I'm so angry I'm not going to, that he held a Bible. The Bible made these liberals so fucking upset that they lost it. That he went to a church and he had a Bible and then the far left started running with, well, here's Biden pandering to black leaders in a church, giving a speech in Delaware, and then they photo-opped a picture of him sitting down with his hand in his head, or his hand on his head like he was praying, and they released that as their photo-op. Remember, the whole time, they're saying Trump just did a photo-op. That now was their coverage this morning, the contrast of two presidents. That came from far-left website, and then went to the New York Times and WAPO, and became CNN's cover story this morning. The contrast of two presidents. One president going and praying in a church. One president holding a Bible in front of a church. That's closed because your looters from Anifa burned it the night before. That's what CNN did. They purposely staged a photo op for their coverage criticizing a photo op and then promoted a photo op from the candidate they want to be president. But it the night before, here's Chris Cuomo, nothing but lies and the same coverage prepping for him to come out and do a speech that they pressured him to do. He was setting up the AO for them to attack.
There are a lot of people who are black in this country who believe they have very good reason to be fed up and that this is the response. There's a meme going uh, around social media right now of Tupac Shakur uh, saying, you really expect us to keep asking um, to treat us well when we've been asking for generation after generation. Eventually, you stop asking. You start insisting. You start knocking down the doors. Um, now, does that make it right? Look, those kinds of judgments become a chain. Well, is it right why they're doing it? Is it right why they feel they have to do it? Is it right that that hasn't changed? Uh, remember, people will not like what they see. Uh, that is almost always the case when people take to the streets to fight against a system that they believe is doing things that are not American. It's hard to please that same system. I mean, think about it. Uh, we don't like that they're not listening to the law and not following the curfew. I'm not one of those people who's like going out of my way to drag politics into a situation. This is about politics, okay? Politics is going to decide what the tone, the tenor, the laws, the policy, the culture of criminal justice and administration of justice is about in this country. If he's speaking to the fact that you have agitator groups that enter in here that are not up to good, that are malefactors, He's right. There are offshoots and people who identify with that group. They're part of it. There are a lot of others, too. Interesting he only mentions that one. As we go to break, just think about this. You know what our job is. It's to show you what's going on, give you context when it counts, and help you understand the story so you can make your own decisions. What do we need from leadership right now? At a minimum, do we really need any energy spent on finding another reason? Nonstop. It's just nonstop. Peaceful protesters. Peaceful protesters. But the violence won't stop. There's videos tonight of, of explosions in Philadelphia. They finally covered on CNN this morning cops being run over. There have been so many cops hurt. There's no coverage of that. There's been so many people hurt. Nothing you heard on my show today has been aired other than Tarka Carlson. And they see it all. They know who finances open source George Soros. There's a picture on the internet right now of George Soros with Greta Tunman. He's been financing her. And he's financing these protests. Right now, he's financing them. But they're not going to report that. They want this. CNN specifically wants the riots, wants the racial animus because it works for Democrats. They didn't get enough black vote. The reality is, if you listen to my last podcast, if 80% of the blacks show up, Biden doesn't win. It takes 95% to win. Because they're so extreme, most white people aren't voting for them. And in this case, because it's Trump, not a lot of people are voting. And by no means am I defending the photo op. He had to give a speech, and he's going to give a speech to his base. What I criticize is the media saying he's wrong to talk to his base. He's wrong to do photo ops. Motherfuckers suck a bag of dicks. Obama photo opt Walter Reed. There is no lower form of pandering and only being the president 
of your demographics and your voters than Barack Hussein Obama's eight years. Nothing he said from the podium was for normal Americans. It was for liberal Americans. And the anger I have now is that as normal Americans' lives are fucked, unemployment was huge, now more businesses are out of business because they've been destroyed by Antifa and BLM, Normal Americans have had their fucking lives altered by injuries. I mean, we don't even know how many people are dead. I know of one that I talked about. But we don't know how many people are dead from the beatings inflicted by BLM and Antifa specifically. That the media know it's Antifa. And that you would just do a photo op to bash the president to continue the racial animus because you want Biden elected and continue to hurt the country. I mean, we're off of three months of fucking lockdown. Unemployment's horrible. Businesses are horrible. Our economy shambles. These protests have been going on for seven days and you're promoting it because you want more. So your party can win. There is no concerted effort by the police to kill black people. My error on Twitter is that I forgot the word unarmed. And I ran it twice. But of a 69 million interactions, 1,004 shot, and of 41 unarmed people, the majority's white, checkmate. You don't have an argument. This is just like every town and guns and everything else. Your stats don't back up the narrative. But we don't have a single person going on TV and going, there was 1,004 officer-involved shootings last year. Of that, 41 were fucking unarmed, and 19 were black. I mean, we go to the beginning of this podcast. The majority of people killed by the police are white, not black. And the majority of people going to jail that are black is because they're doing crime. But what this pushes for, and what will happen, is exactly what we did in the last podcast, the Ferguson effect. They're pushing for law enforcement reform. And what they want is different laws for you and me. My daughter won't see it because she's just malleable and will go along with whatever the social media, social justice warriors tell her. She's not going to be included in that. You and I resist arrest. They're going to put hands on us. Every LIPD department posted pictures of carnage. 20 cars taken out in Columbia. Every one of these burning cars that CNN relishes in and MSNBC jerks off to, you and I are going to pay for. And they're about $55,000, boys and girls. It's not a cheap car. 
After you put all the fucking shit they need, computers, communication, it's in a $55,000 car. I'm not making that number up. I went to city council meetings when I was a community fucking center director, and they're expensive. When I took $50,000 out of my budget, the police officer told me I can get one car. Because I thought he can get a couple. But they're expensive. You're going to pay for it. The damage is the cities. We're going to pay for it. All because a guy, one cop did something horrible. And three cops watched it. But even when they tried on our initial This Is America soundbite to make this like the transgender genocide, you got about seven cases, and within those cases, justified. Trayvon Martin was beating Zimmerman. Philando Castile grabbed his gun and got shot by a Latina, not a white person. Every study that's come out lately has shown it's actually whites that are more after, uh, often to be shot by blacks, not blacks, because of all this social justice shit. But CNN's not going to put out truth. ABC's not going to put out truth. NBC, CBS, none of them. We're not going to put out truth. We're going to keep pouring kerosene on this fire. And if they had it their way, they'd be pulling diesel on it to do a nice long burn and keep it going to further destroy America, further divide America, further destroy the fucking economy. Because guess what? Democrats win when America is destroyed. And the most important point that is being missed in all of this is Anifa is financed by George Soros. You know the Koch brothers, but if you say Soros, the media, the social justice warriors, the blue check Twitter tell you you're an anti-Semite. While they bring an anti-Semite, Ilian Omar on, to talk about how her constituents are traumatized by tanks that aren't there. Secondly, a black president was there for eight fucking years. And at the end of his eight years, all he did was make things worse. I mean, this whole last section of this podcast is every time Trump speaks, he makes it worse. But we're going to bait him and say he has to speak so we can have some fucking clickbait. What could he have said to make the Antifa stop destroying America, make BLM stop looting, and make all these white kids that are out of work and have nothing to do because they're living in their parents' basement and can't go anywhere else because they're in a blue city that's still locked down except for looting? What could he have said to make the protest stop? I mean... There's nothing that he's ever uttered 
that you don't pick apart word by word, sentence by sentence, and infer some white supremacist intention. And as I said to Jim Acosta, fuck you for making me defend Trump. I don't want to defend Trump. I don't want to defend any president. But your coverage is so horrible. Your chirons are so biased. And the fact that you pumped protester noise makes me think the video I didn't play of reporters pushing a sound machine to have gunfire caught on video. But I can't validate who made the video. How much of what you're seeing is not a lie? Because I'll tell you last night, CNN's coverage was solely to make it peaceful protest. We stopped going to Minneapolis. We stopped going to Philadelphia. We stopped going to the bad sides of New York. They reported it this morning after the fact. And they have yet to play one video of normal citizens who are doing nothing getting beaten mercilessly. Not one. They will not air the violence. They will not air people getting whipped out of cars. I mean, they're trying to put charges on FedEx and UPS drivers. There is a video. It looks like army ants on a FedEx truck in L.A. on a highway. I've never seen people move this fast to steal in between two trailers. They have talked incessantly about a guy who got lost and hauled ass and almost hit people, and now they've charged him with attempted murder. Like we never saw Reginald Denny. The wife and I have numerous, I would fucking haul ass. I would hit people. I wouldn't care. I'm not, I've almost been pulled out of my car in Memphis for taking a wrong turn during another one of these peaceful protests where they pull white people out and beat them just for being white. Do you think any media aired that black girl, white people are evil? Do you think any media has said it's about the money? Do you think any media has actually showed the prepoed brick pallets? Do you think any media has talked about the flyers that are posted to get people to work for $200 to do one thing, break a window? Today was the first time I've seen a reporter talk about their tactics. Where they melt into the crowd. And that's only because it's starting to go in the area that the media live. So now it's hitting their doorstep. And now all of a sudden it's not cool that people are burning shit down. Before it was great. It was peaceful protests. And if everything we're living is not like repeating the 60s. The positive thing that happened, and was our lighter fare, because I have a, this is, you know, news and social media nuggets, but I'm not doing it. SpaceX happened. 
We went to space today, and I never saw, or we went to space this weekend, and I never saw CNN talk about it. It's a pretty amazing moment that a private firm has their own spacecraft, and now it's part of the NASA program. And we went back to space. And in two more years, we'll have a Boeing SpaceX ship that's made to go to the moon. So we as a nation could do amazing things when we come together. But unfortunately, we're in a phase where our media, because the president, they don't like him and they're in perpetual war with him. They're not going to show that. They're going to keep dividing until November. And if Biden wins, all of this will go away. All of a sudden, the country will be the greatest country ever. And they'll stop reporting all the heinous crap that's happening, just like they try to do with Obama, except for the major cases. You didn't hear about the total dead or shooting or any of this stuff. You didn't do specials. I can't breathe. Black men being assaulted in America. Whatever the fuck that name of the show was by Lemon. You won't see it. We will have no reporting of all the totally partisan bills, regulations, executive orders. And if we do, it'll be but Trump. But Trump did, but Trump did that, but Trump. Am I happy the way he handled this? No. Posse Comitatus should have been fucking withdrawn five days ago and federal troops should have gone in. I don't give a fuck if you like it or not. That's what should have happened because that's what happened on the L.A. riots and the fucking shit stopped. It's gone on for seven days. They've had their fun. They've got to hurt a bunch of people. They've destroyed a bunch of shit. They've all gotten new Nike shoes and Louis Vuitton bags. Good for you. You're pieces of shit. Go back to your fucking hole. But I can't criticize a president for doing what you told him to do and what you criticize him for doing speeches for his base because eight years I watched Obama do speeches for his base and you people said it was Moses and Jesus Christ speaking and he is the greatest thing ever it's another thing I've noticed I feel your pain moment they say it like we don't remember he fucked an intern he embezzled money he went to Epstein Island Numerous times. Yeah, I watched the documentary. They don't talk about Trump. It's very interesting. They show some pictures, but they have nobody that could say he ever did anything with Epstein because Epstein and him didn't like each other. But there was a lot of Clinton. But it's always that gauge. Everything we do in society has to be as a liberal litmus test. But I guarantee most people did not think Kumbaya motherfucking on at Charlottesville was anything but a photo op. Which is what 
Trump just did. You impeached him for a phone call of what Obama did on open mic. And now you criticize him for doing a photo op at a church that Obama did. You're hypocrites. Nothing a conservative would ever say or ever do would stop people that have been told their entire life not to trust cops. Cops hunt and lynch you. And oh, by the way, only black people get shot by the police. It's in their heads. It's now in white people heads. Little millennial hipsters drinking chai latte have been told their whole life because they were born under Obama that it's all racism, systemic racism. But we have a systemic bias problem in our media. They refuse to broadcast facts that would actually calm protests. They refuse to air the violence and carnage in American cities right now because it doesn't fit their fucking narrative of peaceful protesters. And they refuse to apply the same slide rule they use for Republicans to Democratic presidential candidates who just said, you ain't black. was caught in clan hoods and blackface. Even Jimmy Fallon started after his cancel culture attack an entire show of people coming on pushing false facts. It's a pretty easy thing. I've said it for every one of these and it's the last thing I'll say and I'll close it up. There are no cops in my area. There are no people getting rustled, thrown to the ground, or put in cuffs. Because nobody's committing crime. And when the police pull them over, they don't evade or resist. Maybe if you did the same, you wouldn't have negative interactions inside the 69 million yearly interactions with police civilians have. Maybe if you weren't armed and pointing your weapon at the police, you wouldn't be one of the 1,004 people shot by police in 2019. Maybe you wouldn't be one of the nine shot unarmed. Maybe you wouldn't be one of the three injured out of 10,000 population. But all those stats are higher for white people. Yet we don't have white lives matter, nor do we have white people going to streets screaming, hands up, don't shoot, I can't breathe. During Michael Brown, a white kid on PCP-laced meth was standing naked in the middle of a roadway in Florida. He was unarmed. He charged the police. He was shot and killed. 
CNN didn't cover it. There were no protests. There was no carnage. And Antifa was nowhere to be seen. In the end, because our media refuses to provide facts for any of the assumptions put out by far-left social justice groups, and are unable to say that Antifa is a domestic terrorist organization who is fomenting violence in the overthrow of the American government because they are anarchists, we still have protests in our streets. We still have violence in Portland monthly. Nobody in my family has gone to Portland since 2016 because they can't. It's a war zone. And it's all brought to you by the Democratic National Committee, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, with their silence. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. Send comments to foppodcast at gmail.com. F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. You get the show on SoundCloud, Pocket Static, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Downcast, and PocketCast. Remember to check out the Facebook page at Fop Podcast and the Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. We're going to go with the next podcast being uh, 7 June, Year of Our Lord 2020. We'll start that with our stats for May, which were very good, and I thank you all. I had planned to go visit my brother in Louisiana, and I had planned to go junking the next day somewhere in the state, but we're staying home because it's still unsure what will happen. It's been peaceful where I live. But the connecting cities of Nashville and Memphis, Memphis has been out of control. So Nashville, they quelled it and nothing's happened since then. So I think we'll be good. And once again, it was brought on by the mayor, as I said last podcast, who literally said, let's have a protest, even though um, COVID. Can't go to church in Nashville. Yeah, there you go. So I'll be home collecting stories. Make sure you spend some time with your family. Stay safe. Know where you're at, know your surroundings, and if you have weapons, pack them, load them, and I'm ready. Because it's not a fucking internet tale. It's not fear-mongering. That tweet I read is what their plan is, and it's already starting. They're going to the burbs. So if you live near a major city, stay on guard. Just stay on guard. You have to. Until finally this is done. And I pray somehow, some way, we do activate federal troops. Unlike what CNN said, we've done it multiple times in our history to quell violence. And it's needed now because seven days are enough. As always, thanks for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony.
Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride makes every day count. Thank you.